This is the Benito Juarez Experience, joint project of the Hispanic Atheist and the Latino, offering a Latinx perspective on politics, society, and culture in the United States and Latin America. One of the uh, you know, questions that I am thinking is outside of Mexico, mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't see a lot of that kind of religious trope, or at least, you know, from what I remember, and I may be wrong, you know, mm-hmm. Brazilian soap operas were something else. Like, you didn't yeah. see much of that content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I think Colombian telenovelas, I don't recall them being that religious, but I mm-hmm. also find it quite contradictory, because I would think that, you know, a place where the Catholic Church has a lot of power is Colombia. Uh, in Latin, of Latin American countries losing a political power, Colombia, mm-hmm. certainly Mexico, uh, because mm-hmm. of the size of the population there. So do you know of any, you know, variation? Is like Mexican telenovelas the most, they have, they have the most religious content? And, and given the size and scope of, of the distribution of Televisa, is mm-hmm. it, you know, that... that basically help them to shape a lot of the narrative and stereotypes uh, of people mm-hmm. in Latin America? That is a very good question. I actually tried to do some research in, in the sense of, like, my educated guess of all these years reading about telenovelas is that the amount of religiosity in the Mexican telenovelas is so much that when you compare to Colombia to Argentina, which is another, I know, more or less, Brazil and Venezuela, it's really not that much. Uh, you know, Peru had an early 1970s, you know, late 1960s, early 1970s, telenovela uh, uh, industry, very interested, that actually influenced Mexico, but their religiosity was more implicit. You know, there's this implicity that everyone is a, a Catholic, that more or less everyone, you know, and, and, and you see it here and there, you know, we're going to church in the few episodes I've been able to, to see because, unfortunately, those videos are lost. Uh, in Venezuela, at least the ones in the 1980s, there's this implicit Catholicism, and usually you will see the old lady, the, you know, the, the religious old lady who will claim for the Virgin to help, for example. Argentina, I found that interesting. I remember you asked me to think about, well, how people who are not Catholic are portrayed, and my sort of joke question, are there no Catholics in in, in telenovela? Uh, Because the instances are so little and and, and more recent. Uh, And it's usually the the Jewish population. You know, I don't know if if you and you remember, but in Carousel, the 1990 movie for uh, I'm not the 1990 telenovela for children, there was a Jewish character. Who was the Jewish character in Carousel? Yes, it was David. His name actually did research for this. His name was David Rabinovich. That makes sense. And you know he was the, he was a very blonde curled boy, and as someone who actually watched that turnover as a child, I do remember because at one of the episodes they have to go to a church, and he has to go to a different area to pray. He doesn't stay with everyone else 
on the on the chapel. And it, that's one of those things that as someone who grew up in an overwhelmingly Catholic or at least Christian environment, I was like, there are people who are not Catholic? So that, that was something that really hit me. And in Argentina, I could do the uh, mention uh, a, a great soap opera, very interesting, innovative narrative called Los Graduados uh, that was done, I want to tell you, 2015, 2014? No, I think it was 2012. You could check it out in Telefe's uh, YouTube channel, or at least it was there a few years back. And the main lead character is actually a Jewish Argentinian guy. But this is a telenovela from the 21st century. I uh, don't recall or could not find a Jewish lead character on the Argentinian telenovelas from the 80s or 90s. I, I can actually contribute something to this, com- to this part of the conversation. Um, there's a telenovela that is, I don't know, I don't know if it's actually a telenovela but I know that people in English have classified it as one. It's called Rebelde, and one of the, one of the characters, his name is Nico, is a Jewish mm-hmm. boy, and in the oh. beginning, the portrayal of Nico is less than positive, not only because uh-huh. he's wealthy, but because his family is pressuring him to break up with his Catholic girlfriend. Mm. So that's, that's something that's very interesting. Also, in Central America, programming from Israel is actually mm-hmm. moderately popular. I remember okay. when I lived in Honduras, there was a very popular show called Split, which was produced in Israel. It was, mm-hmm. I think it was also filmed in Israel, and it was a vampire um, mm-hmm. young adult fantasy show. Uh-huh. And it, was, it did fairly well in Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Nicaragua. Oh, I needed the, the info later. I'll be interested to watch that. Yeah. Yes. I remember watching a few episodes myself. Mm-hmm. That reminds me that, that so my parents came to visit me uh, last mm-hmm. year, and they're watching now Turkish telenovelas. Uh-huh. So they're more like, instead of religious, uh, you know, there's like Muslim characters, of course, but they're kind of like mm-hmm. sci-fi. Like they have all these yeah. stuff. Of, uh, remind me a lot about El Clon, which was a Brazilian soap opera. Yeah. That actually was, was also based partially in Turkey or somewhere in the Middle East. Uh, uh, that's a, like a more recent development. Yeah. But we don't have, which is something amazing that at least, especially in Mexico, we don't have at least a, a recollection, and I'm not sure if there's a record of any like, openly secular characters. Uh, and in fact, in more recent history, uh-huh. have you seen that movie For Greater Glory? Uh, with Andy Garcia. Oh, oh the yeah. one about the Cristero War? Yes. Uh, no, I didn't watch it. I didn't hear good I, good things about it. You are not missing much. Uh, but it's very good to see side by side with uh, La Guerra Santa, oh. uh, which was done in the 1970s, and it's actually mm-hmm. a, more, uh, a more secular version of it. But I think going back to your, you know, all this history... Mm-hmm. Uh, of of the telenovela industry, I, I think it 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 is quite amazing how probably the the you know the lar- one of the largest countries in Latin America. I'm not sure if Mexico is larger than Brazil in terms of population. I don't think so. Uh, but that certainly has set up a lot of the narrative, not just 
in Latin America, but also in the United States due to the large Mexican population, and that probably has, at least in terms of, infrastructure, in, of constitutional infrastructure, the more secular state, that it mm-hmm. has actually imported so much religion and has uh, defined mm-hmm. a lot of the a, a lot of this discourse. I think you uh, you are right. Based on Mexican telenovelas, when I first went to Mexico back in 2004, I thought I was going to find a more religious place, and it's not. Uh, that's when I was shockingly learning about, you know, Benito Juarez, Los Cristeros, and, and the strong, you know, secular, everyday people that exist all over the nation. And I'm like, wow, that Mexican telenovelas lie. And I, and I think, well, and part of my, my thesis when I was writing my dissertation is that when Televisa is, you know, emerging as this huge uh, telenovela producer and media giant, it has to sort of navigate the problems that the, pre, the challenge the pre is confronting from the right, from the left, and it sort of uh, goes into a center-right religious uh, corner and, and sort of stuck in there, I would say, for years, particularly most of the 80s. I could come out with a few instances of telenovelas I heard were more secular. You don't, you don't have these openly uh, religious ideas. You know, La Casa, La, La Casa al Final de la Calle. But I never watched it. It wasn't something that, you know, became popular like all the other, uh, you know, the, the Marias, for example, the, the trilogy made by Maria Mercedes, for example. Uh, and, and because it's much late, was done much later in the early 1990s, I, I never watched it in, in the archives or, or pursue it. What I have heard, you know, sort of in the, uh, in, in the vine of intellectuals, that there was a good uh, non you know, sort of secular telenovela, the anti-archetypical Televisa telenovela. And it was done by Televisa, but it was, you know, just in the 90s. And unfortunately, they didn't did more of those stuff later. Uh, And then I would say uh, this is when, you know, when uh, Televisión Azteca is created in, I want to say, 1993 uh, in Argos, a television, which is an independent producer that associated itself early in the 90s uh, with Televisión Azteca, started doing telenovelas that were more secular. Uh, that's where Mirada de Mujer comes from. And, and, and they have been keeping doing uh, telenovelas, but they were, uh, their connection with Televisión Azteca Broke away at some point in the early 2000s, issues with money, I have different ideas. So now they're producing telenovelas, but it's basically for Mexican television, yeah, Mexican cable channels. Uh, and now I was able to catch, you know, if you really chase them, you could catch a few maybe in Mundos, uh, Fox, uh, Mundo Fox uh, air one of them, which by the way, Mundo Fox still exists. And, but it's, it's, they're very difficult to find, particularly here uh, in the USA or, you know, outside Mexico. And those, I would say, are secular telenovelas. I, at least the last one I saw was, I'll tell you now, 
Illegales. Oh, the title escapes now. I, I, I never wrote about it. So, um, and, and it was about sort of a bit about the Mexican political class. And uh, I didn't see anyone praying to the Virgin. Now, what about this new? Uh, so, so one is about the. I've seen at least in Netflix and and, mm -hmm. and a lot of in, in YouTube and places like that that there's like a new genre of like narco novelas. Mm -hmm. uh, is there what's the religion content in there? Do you know any of it? If there's, you know, what do they show? It depends who's writing it. Uh, to be honest, the only one I watched from beginning to end was La Reina del Sur, which you know really st that started really as a as a uh, you know novel written by a Spaniard, and that one the religious con uh, context that you see is actually the cult of Juan Malverde, if memory serves, which is this sort of uh, saint of smugglers and drug traffickers. And one of the scenes, you act, you know, uh, there's, you know, the, the soon-to-be Reina del Sur and the cartel and the big cartel boss make a deal in a chapel to Juan Malverde uh, so she can, you know, escape to Spain and, you know, no one will know that this guy is the real, you know, cartel boss. Uh, and since that one, I only seen the Colombian ones who also was based in the novel and religiosity there was very... Uh, you know, less explicit. I do have to admit, I tried to start watching El Chema, but uh, my advisor uh, does, you know, uh, the history of, of drug trafficking. One of my, you know, best friends in grad school has done research on Mexican drug trafficking, and, the, you know, the real story behind El Chapo is, uh, the, the real history behind El Chapo is so much Chapel is so much interesting that what they are doing on that telenovela that you know uh, I I could only watch one episode and my impression was that the religiosity was implicit but not this very you know head on in your face as the 80s 90s and sort of the romantic stories uh, Televisa Sherna uh, through decades. I really want to get into narco novellas but I haven't had a whole lot of time. So that was really interesting. Um, I am kind of curious. Do you have an opinion on narco-novellas? Because I know that in Honduras, uh, a news article went viral that talked mm -hmm. about um, the possibility of trying... If, I don't think it was a serious news article, but apparently there was a politician who introduced mm -hmm. the bill to ban both narco-novellas and fake guns which is a whole other topic, but do you have an opinion on narco-novellas themselves? Oh, I, I would love to that, the, the ban of narco-novellas. Huh. I actually uh, translated it because I run a newspaper. Um, I run a digital newspaper, which talks about uh -huh. Honduran youth, and mm -hmm. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, please, send me the link. Uh, narco-novellas, you know, when La Reina del Sur started, when Sintetas My Paraiso from Colombia was done, and this was years ago, uh, Sintetas My Paraiso was in 2000, I saw them as a good way to, uh, as catalyst for Latin American societies to confront our problem with drug trafficking. 
But now that uh, we are seeing uh, El Señor de los Cielos 1, 2, and 3, I think, uh, El Chema, which, you know, it's, again, believe me, read Nuestra Historia Narcotica by Froilán and Ciso, where he talks a little bit about the whole sort of political, social environment where Chapo grew up. It's so much better than what they're doing. That They're trying to do what uh, Telemundo and, and Univision are trying to do is just take that you know, romantic telenovela that we have been watching for decades and mix it up with the you know, narco uh, lifestyle. And I think it's just commodifying it and making it more than something to confront our problems. I don't like it. <laughs> it, 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 it that more or less aligns with my opinion on it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it just sort of turned it superfluous and and, and to extent I think uh, I don't think neither think that as uh, No Hay Paraíso or La Reina del Sur were glorifying drug trafficking. I think they were showing, you know, uh, ambiguous characters sort of showing us the problematic and how ingrained it is not only in our society but in our power institutions. You know, a, a call it politicians, call it businessmen. But when you start romanticizing and, and, and uh, casting Mauricio Ockman to play El Chapo, I'm quite sure they're great Mexican actors of visibly Native American heritage who can play that character so much better. That's my opinion. So I have a question for you. I, have you seen the? Because I, I think it harkens back a little bit to that uh, religion mm -hmm. secular argument that we were having earlier. You mentioned mm -hmm. that there was in the early days of mm -hmm. telenovelas uh, a one about Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you know that in Netflix there is mm -hmm. a like 13 episodes telenovela of Sor Juan Ides de la Cruz mm -hmm. done recently. Have you seen yes. it? Yes. Yes, I did. What do you think about it? Much better than the 1960s version, I have to tell you. <laughs> and, and, and it sort of breaks up. Actually, what I like of Sor Juana, going back to what we're talking about secularism, is that I think... All societies, and, and Mexico is not upset, uh, an, an exception, particularly since the Renaissance, has been struggling to create a space for secularism. And I think Juan Inés does show that, uh, particularly with the not, not only with the character of Sir Juan Inés, but with Góngora, who were people who were, you know, inserted in these religious groups, you know, but because being part of those religious groups, you know, brings you prestige, access, connections. And I could even take it a further, further down with uh, Padre Hidalgo, you know, and, and Morelos in, in the Mexican independence in the early 19th century. We talk about they being a priest, but they were far from, you know, priests perfect to the uh, uh, priests that were perfect according to Catholic dogma. Padre Hidalgo read banned books. Morelos had children. I, I think we should, you know, if, uh, talk more, you know, these 
the conversation makes me wonder about why in a nation who has been that has been struggling since early colonial period to create a strong secular space and that has it has opened it and it's there, why it's telenovelas one of its biggest media exports continues sending us this highly religious Mexican image. And you know and I have mentioned here, you know, the you know the um, the position of of Azcarraga uh, Milmo, uh, the problem with the Catholic pressure group, and that takes me to wonder: Have these telenovelas sort of accustomed us to this stereotype of the Catholic Mexico? I don't know. I just I'm here just guessing because it really uh, you know brings a lot of questions to it. The Sor Juana's new version. Uh, that mm -hmm. is in Netflix. It's mm -hmm. actually quite. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's raunchy, but it's certainly quite explicit in the sense that she had relationships with other women, and also mm -hmm. it was it had a very good picture of her struggles with men of with uh, you know a man of authority. So I think it was mm -hmm. an amazing yeah, something that I haven't never seen in a telenovela, especially about a figure that was basically a nun, so a real mm -hmm. Catholic nun. But that, mm -hmm. but you mentioned Morelos and Hidalgo, mm -hmm. and now I would like to go back and see La Antorcha Encendida. Oh, you are right. So for those who don't know, La Antorcha Encendida was the was the televised, like serialized no, telenovela of the mm -hmm. Mexican independence. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you remember how they played uh, Hidalgo and Morelos, and uh, you know no. whether they they portrayed them as you know these stereotypical kind of town priests, uh, or mm -hmm. they were act I don't think they were very real about how they portrayed their lives, <laughs> but I no. I don't know. Uh, I I would not I I I never I saw only a few episodes. My recollection of it is that they show it very late at night, at least in Puerto Rico. And because I, I know someone else who was doing historical telenovelas, I never bothered actually to sort of, uh, you know, look at them while doing my research. But as I have studied Mexican history, I, you know, I have discovered that, you know, we often think that because priests started the independence movement in Mexico, that's why, you know, this strong Catholic sentiment. But no, these were actually very, very naughty priests to, you know, to use a light version. You know, that, that's precisely why they were, the, you know, the leaders of this revolution. <laughs> do you have any, do you, what do you think about the future of telenovelas? Do you have any opinions on... Um, just what you think they're going to look like in the future? Oh, man. Okay. I am so much better a historian than uh, someone predicting the future. Uh, I could tell you a joke after we, uh, uh, we, uh, we have a serious uh, idea. Uh, you know, I don't know. We, uh, we had a, I had had a couple of panels where we've been wondering about that particularly with the, you know, the, the coming of the narco novelas. Uh, there was a, a lot of buzz 
in the early 2000 when in the United States they took the telenovela model and started doing some melodramas, when Betty La Fea was turned into Ugly Betty. But that moment, you know, 15 years in the future now has fizzled. And what will happen in the future? Oof. I would think we will have to be looking at uh, streaming, you know, Netflix, online, Hulu, and what will happen there with this serialized melodrama. I'm hoping for a more secular, more inclusive uh, uh, telenovelas, but I don't think that will happen on Televisa. That will happen someplace else. So I want to finish with one question. Mm-hmm. You have been to the Televisa archive, which uh-huh. is the holy land of telenovelas. Yes. Is it actually kept as a temple or is it actually a dump? <laughs> oh, both. Uh, no, you know, it's, it, it was fascinating. They actually have kept all the originals, so you have all these versions of videotape going back to the 60s. And when I was there back in 20, actually it, 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 2006 and 2007, so it's been a while, they were actually digitalizing it all. I have not such base to see if now everything is digital. But to tell you a, a funny story, you know, they have, you know, two floors, no, no, three floors. You know, the first floor where you get there, they have the cabins where you can watch all those uh, VHS back then. The second floor is the offices, and then they have a basement when all, all those weird uh, versions of videos are. And when you take one of the stairs from the offices to the cabins, for some reason, at the end of the stairs, they have an altar to the Virgin Mary. Uh, well, to the Virgin of Guadalupe. Let me clarify which, which virgin, which is like, I don't know why I didn't take a picture of that, that, that should have been on my dissertation, but I was so afraid they would not let me go back the next day that I, I was in my best behavior while there. And, and it, it sort of makes you wonder. I, I never saw anyone praying there, but it just was there. <sighs> I know. Well, yeah. I guess they weren't Catholics. They were Guadalupano. There, that's my answer. I want to thank Professor Avar Izquierdo for her time. Uh, and remember, our theme song is the Danzón Si Juárez No Hubiera Muerto, which is If Juárez Had Not Died, uh, by the Cuban, Cuban band Acerina y Su Orquesta, to keep the Cuban uh, Caribbean flavor in the show. Uh, please remember to subscribe to our feed uh, and also remember to like our Facebook page. Uh, this was UM Navarro Rivera and Luciano Gonzalez. Thank you for listening. <laughs>